Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. It is Wednesday, May 16th. Well, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 15th, but you get it. I'm Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, you are probably the happiest man in America, along with like everybody else, because gambling, specifically on sports, is now legal. At least that's what the internet told me. I could not be more excited about that. I now have a way to lose my money legally, which is great. Big it's going to be tax season year round for me. No, I mean, like it. it is a pretty big deal. At least that's what everyone's telling me. I, I'm like trying not to be pessimistic about it. I just feel like it's going to be not as cool as we think it is. So the big news, of course, that the Supreme Court ruled that now states can decide for themselves whether or not they want to legalize sports gambling. And that's that's a big deal because some states like Mississippi already had this right. already had the legislation in motion to be able to have this enacted. Apparently, Mississippi's gonna have this done within a few weeks, and they're gonna be able to gamble on sports in the state of Mississippi. That's all well and good. I think people who have wanted to gamble um, yep. have found their means to do so over the yeah. years. There are a lot of ways to do it, but now, I mean, it's just going to become that much more prevalent. There's a lot of reasons to go to Vegas. There's also a lot of reasons not to go to Mississippi. So, <laughs> and now the two uh, have kind of uh, intersected. I mean, I don't hit on the Magnolia State. Come I, on I now. spent my 30th birthday reluctantly in Biloxi, and it was uh, oh man, it was just the best time of my life. No, it was not. But, um, no, Mississippi's fantastic. It's a great state. It's beautiful. Uh, I still would love to go to the Grove. But as far as, like, gambling goes, if they're going to make it more accessible throughout the country, if anybody is just texting their bookie on their phone, I think they might still stick with that over driving to Mississippi to do it. Yeah, potentially. And there are, I think what, what's going to happen in the way that this impacts college football and the SEC is that I, I think it just creates more interest. I mean, right. I think if there are more ways to gamble on sports – there are going to be more people outside of the geographical footprint watching the SEC. Right. That twelve, you know, that noon game with you know Mizzou and, and Vandy or something like that, all of a sudden becomes that much more that much more interesting to the outside right. world. Right. It's part so, of my sixteen parlay that I'm like my rent is based <laughs> off. No, I mean like and, and anybody that listens to the podcast weekly, they know that. I love gambling, love sports gambling, bit. not just, and not that I'm a degenerate, which I'm, I'm borderline, I'm getting there, but it's because it's so fascinating to me, and I will never forget, like when I was little, my dad said this to me, and he was like, Chris, they didn't build these billion-dollar hotels and massive cathedrals out here in the middle of the desert based off nothing. Like, Vegas is good. Vegas is really good, and it's so fascinating to watch because, like, for instance, last night, we talked about this earlier, the over-under in the Houston Rockets-Golden State Warriors basketball game was 224.5. Total was 225. It's incredible. They're so good Vegas at it. knows. Yeah. And so now what is going to be interesting to watch, so we talk, I mean, we talk weekly about lines and stuff, and I'm fascinated by lines, even though I'm not a gambling man. Right. Uh, I'm fascinated by lines in college football because I think they say a lot, and I think they determine a lot of our, our national perception, and we kind of look at these things like, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Right. And, and we follow these things and we we judge teams based on whether or not they cover the spread and, right. and do certain things like that. So it's significant. How are these lines going to be impacted now that there's going to be more gambling than ever and these lines can potentially be shifted a bit more dramatically? That's the thing that I'm interested right. to see kind of in year one of this thing where, you know, we really have no idea how it's going to affect the marketplace. And we, as you said earlier, we, we tend to think that it's just going to give people more like a legal way to lose their money. And that's what people are going to, you know, the government is going to try and take advantage. I mean, there's a there's a old old 
I guess, uh, what's the best way to put this? I guess staple of betting. I'm trying like my best. There's a, there's a staple of like people that are like, that bet a lot that are like not sharp or sharps, but like that are good at betting. You always avoid the trap of going heavy on whatever the public favorite is. And there is about to be a ton of that. You're gonna, it's gonna be like the oh, poker yeah. boom, like 15 years ago. You have a lot of novice people out here that are just looking to have some fun, like throw some extra money around. Because now, like I live in Atlanta, it's almost impossible to set up an account with like Bovada or like an online account like that because your bank bank won't allow it, like BB&T at least. Right. This is not just me. I'm assuming. I think this is like nationwide or statewide at least. Maybe they just cut my account. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's it's almost impossible. Like we talked to Kevin about it this morning and he had like one of his buddies trying to turn like two different cryptocurrencies into like US dollars to like funnel through just so he could put like a $25 bet on what, Golden State to cover one and a half? I mean, right. yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot easier. So you're going to have a lot, like a, a huge influx of dumb money, just like dumb money people are going to like throw out there and bet. So I think I talked to my bookie earlier today, shout out to him, and he's very excited because <laughs> he's about to make a lot of money, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. And the AP graphic that went, was going around on Twitter uh, that might have soured some SEC fans was the fact that it predicts that essentially the only state that's going to allow gambling, legalized sports gambling in the next two years is going to be Mississippi. Eventually, you know, Louisiana could be one of those states right. in the next five years or so. There could be a few others, but that those are just projections as of right now. Right. Alabama we said never they, will, they are not going to ever just... <laughs> Like flat right. out ever, so that's great. Yeah. Um, so behind the times on that, but it's like I'm excited. This whole week in Atlanta, we passed the drinking on Sundays uh, to start that's at big. 11 a.m. instead of 12:30, so I can get an hour and a half hour and a half head start on that. And now gambling, like all my vices are falling into place. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing how this has worked out. And now you're maybe even going to start to have alcohol in SEC stadiums in yeah. the not so distant future. I know legislation on that is still they're, they're still kind of working through some things, and that's probably not going to happen this year. But we could be at a point in like two or three years where you can gamble yeah. and drink alcohol in an SEC stadium. What I'm not going to get too political, life. and like you know, I know how I get on Twitter <laughs> sometimes, but it seems like America might be great again right now booze and gambling this is everything i've ever wanted we'll leave it at that gambling is definitely going to be at the forefront of the conversation Uh, a different hurdle for the ncaa to have to to have to deal with now i've already seen some some people throwing around the idea of how the ncaa can use this as a means to pay players and that's like a totally crazy concept When you think about it, and there are going to be public universities like West Virginia, we talked about this earlier, that uh, could potentially be making you know revenue statewide revenue, you know for the university based on you know sports gambling and right. all that stuff, and how weird that would be if the university is getting money from sports gambling, but they're you know not paying the players. It's I just it's all weird the irrational Twitter it. outbursts that are going to happen based off this. Like they talked about in the NBA the other day, and I hate to keep harping on Golden State, but they were saying how they want to take one percent to upwards of like a dollar per bet, like to their organization for any time like their team is bet on. I've lost a lot of money on Golden State. Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to give you more money out of my pocket when you're not covering the spread because you're right. pulling your starters early. Unbelievable. That being said, like this is going to be like fantasy football to the nth degree. People that yes. like lash out at people on, mm-hmm. on social media, be like, "Way to go, Todd Gurley." I had you on fantasy team this week and I lost. Like, and then he's like spatting back at him. That's gonna be way worse if they're gonna pay these kids, which I still think they should. But 
people are going to be betting on them. Like, they're going to think they have an investment in these kids. It's I can't wait. It's going to be a giant S show, S word show. You know what I'm I just saying. had a, I just saw a quote. Uh, it was, I think it was in the Lincoln Journal Star where Tom Osborne, legendary Nebraska coach, said, the angriest fans that I, was, that I would always encounter were the ones who bet. And they would come up to me and say, I lost $100 on you. And then right. Tom Osborne would say back to them, well, <laughs> I didn't bet a hundred dollars. I didn't tell you to bet a hundred dollars. Like, what, what'd you do that for? But that—that that is true, and that it's going to be uh, fan bases might be a little bit more angry, right? Yeah, you know, in the SEC where it just means more, as we know. I, to this um, day, one of my, my my buddies, uh, his one of his favorite moments ever watching a Bama game with me was when Bama was playing Western Kentucky a couple of years ago, and they were a twenty-eight and a half point favorite. This is 2016. 28 and a half points, Connor. They were up That's a lot of points, thirty-eight to three, with a minute and a half to go. Blake Barnett threw an interception, and they scored a touchdown with like 30 seconds left. I was like, "Yes, yes!" He's like, "You're cheering against your team now. That's what this what this has done to you." That's so, what it's going to do to a lot of people. Like Aladdin said, it's going to be a whole new world. Probably not a good one, but I can't wait. Oh boy, looking forward to it. Speaking of, well, no, this isn't speaking of anything. Shifting gears, we're going to talk about. Um, some actual football news, at least kind of. So uh, a lot of people have talked about in the past, coaches who block kids from transferring. Uh, it's Nothing is new about that conversation, but what is new is the news that Alabama offensive lineman Brandon Kennedy uh, has reportedly been blocked from transferring to SEC schools like Auburn and Tennessee. AL.com was the one who, they, they were the ones who reported this. And, you know, he's a grad transfer, so he's not an undergrad. Right. But at the same time, there's nothing that says Nick Saban can't prevent a kid from doing this before now, signing off on the waiver. Is it, because I'm so conflicted on this, <laughs> is is it all SEC schools or is it Auburn and Tennessee? I think it's Auburn and Tennessee. That's what I saw. If it's just Auburn and Tennessee, I don't have a problem with it. And that is they're on purely, Alabama's schedule. Yeah, that's pure, well, they're also their two biggest rivals. And, you know, to this day, there's a lot of people that will say Tennessee is a bigger rival than Auburn. I don't know why, but, you know... Either way, like the Homer bias part of me says that yeah, I'm all for that. I don't want I don't want any of our players, whether they play a lot or not, to go to our biggest rivals. That being said, like you pointed out this morning, the kid's done everything he was asked to do. He filled out his obligation and he graduated from a university. I mean, I, Auburn is going to pose some problems for Bama because they beat him last year. Tennessee, I don't let him go to Tennessee. Let him live his life. <laughs> I think the issue too, and I understand both sides. I like this is just a. There's nothing in the legislation right now that really it kind of lets it just work itself out, and whatever happens, happens. It almost seems like when something gets, too, like the public reaction is too strong to something, that's when the coaches sort of like cave and right. say, "All right, no, I won't do that." But I get both sides, and I, I would totally be like if I was. Brandon Kennedy, I'd be doing, I'd be, you know, complaining that I'm not yeah. getting a full list of schools to transfer to. If I'm Nick Saban, I'm blocking him, and that's right. that's the way it works because you have a kid who has. It's not so much about you know the precedent; it's more about the fact that I think Saban says I have a kid who is just here throughout spring ball. We have put new things into our our playbook and done a lot of different things right. during the spring that maybe if he had been asking to transfer in January, a little bit of a different story. Would yeah. Saban probably protest in January? Yeah, but it's a nice crutch to fall on to be able to say we have some new things that we're doing for 2018 that we don't want him sharing with our rivals. Right. I get all of that. But here's the thing. How much are coaches really worried about that? How much are they really worried think, about the intel in the playbook? So that's a good question. And like I honestly, I thought about this a lot today because – more so than the players leaving. What's crazy is to think about all the assistant coaches 
that right. have been in those meeting rooms and like every single day throughout the season know the ins and outs of like you know how Saban works, how the team works, like his philosophies on defense, like you know what he wants to do on second and third down, all that stuff. And there are so many of them that are against, like, are now coaching against him, like directly in the conference as head coaches, as assistant coaches. I mean, I, I don't know how much of it actually gets leaked out if there's like a, just an integrity thing, but at the same time, you're all trying to win. Right. And, and are you changing your entire playbook just because one kid is going to transfer to another school? I don't know. And I, I don't know how these things work. I don't have the right. the inner workings of what goes on in, in terms of like how much Nick Saban changes in the playbook from a year to year basis. Right. But like if you're looking at this as a kid thinking, okay, no, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears. If you're Alabama, you've always been under the impression that it doesn't matter what anybody else knows what we're going to do. They can know what we're going to do. Right. And we're still going to be able to do it. We're still the, the best athletes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to run the football. We're going to run it down their throat. I don't care if they know that it's going, you know, off tackle. Boom. That offensive uh, playbook is just like 78 designed like blocking schemes with like with like runs <laughs> off left tackle and then maybe a jet sweep and then all the passing plays are just definitely around Ridley and he's gone. So we probably don't have any passing plays in the entire system right now. Am I crazy for thinking that it's a little bit different than sharing the Auburn playbook? or something oh my like gosh. that where it's, it's based on schemes and it's based on all these different I like, can't imagine to him trying that, to like relay that message like like hey coach like this is what they do when they line up this way there's eight guys that go in motion and they do a double right. reverse pass like what no I mean it's a lot more vanilla than that but what would worry me more than anything is the defense like the defensive playbook and like all of those schemes and philosophies right. that would worry me I don't think anybody's really worried about Bama's offense yeah, I, I mean, I would tend to think so. But yeah. if you're Nick Saban, you're going to put your foot down. I know I've sounded like, you know, like I've just been right down the middle with this whole thing. But I, I really see both sides. And what could change the the potential, like, conflict with situations like this, we're going to find out in June if players are going to be able right. to transfer to whatever school they want without permission. Right. Now, whether they make that for grad transfers, for, for undergrad, that remains to be seen. But if they do, I would tend to think that the first place that they would look would be grad transfers. Yeah. Students who have gone to school have fulfilled their academic Completed obligations. Their yeah. There's to me, there's there'd be nothing wrong with that. Right. I get it if why the resistance is there, but we're gonna find out in June, and we're gonna have probably a lot more conversations about. What's this. really like what's it kind of like raises my eyebrows on this, and I know people are gonna again. This is the the biased Homer part of me as a growing up an Alabama fan, but if you're a fan of another team, just insert your rival here. It's weird to me that somebody that has been in that program that chose that program out of high school, was there for three-plus years, has won national championships, and has faced that other team, has been through rivalry week, would ever want to go put on the other those those colors. I mean... It's hard to think about. It, it is. And like, especially with those two teams. Like, it's... it's I don't want to say mind-blowing, but it's just weird to, like, have... I, I know I have a lot of passion, we'll say, is the word, during rivalry week. It's weird to think that they would be able to just turn that switch off. It's probably because they're a more rational person, which is fine. And then go play for that school. I honestly, the, the part of me that always wants to see like the chaos and just absolute, again, S-show on, on Twitter and social media, wishes every single transfer from Bama would go to FAU or UCF. <laughs> it would be incredible. It would be fun to look at somebody's old tweets if they trans if they transfer to a rival school or something like that. I mean, I think that like 
I know that we as a society are in love with that principle now of looking up somebody's old tweets the second they become famous, but I think just from an entertainment standpoint, it'd be fun to look back at somebody who committed Alabama and like, you know, was like, yo, I hate Auburn, blah, 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 and they tweeted all this stuff during rivalry week. I think it'd be fantastic Or I don't know, see, got a tattoo of Auburn on their arm during their, their high school commitment. Really good. I, yeah, I just, but it would be awesome if they just went to go play for UCF or Lane Kiffin. Speaking of that, speaking of potentially playing for your rival, you know where I'm going with this oh one. Oh my gosh. So a few months ago, we saw Jalen Hurts in an Alabama jersey. Not saying he's wearing an Alabama jersey, but Jalen Hurts is working out with an Alabama skill player. Another a fellow Texas native, Cam Martin, who is the front runner to win the starting running Hold back on. job. We gotta Auburn. we gotta rewind back here, because you Okay. You flubbed this. I did. It's an Auburn player. Yes. He's, he's Auburn. So Jalen, Jalen has been working out with an Auburn skill player, yes. not uh, a Bama skill Alabama skill player. You did. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would actually make. And okay. the only You're reason I caught it is because you have it uh, in our notes, and it says Cam Martin. And guess what? Cam is spelled with a K. Of course. A tradition uh, unlike any other. <laughs> yes, Auburn's with a K. We have established that that is the way they do it. Thank you for catching my mistake. You should catch more of my mistakes. I you feel only like have I make like a lot one every month. It's fine. No, that's not true. No, come on. But yeah, Cam Martin. Auburn running back, he posted a picture working out with Jalen Hurts back in Texas and just a couple rivals just, you know, grinding in the offseason, hashtag no days off, hashtag, that's that's what all the cool kids do. I just rise and grind. Is that weird? No days off. Is that weird though? If, if you're a rival, yes, it doesn't yes, even have that to be is weird. football. Yes, that is, listen, last night there was a, a fire in my apartment complex, this is a true story, okay? I We had to evacuate the building at 3.30, I was pissed off, it woke me up out of my sleep. One of the first people I saw was holding a cat and was wearing an Auburn shirt. And yeah, I was happy he was safe. But I also want to tell the authorities it was probably his fault. Okay? <laughs> Just, mainly because he's a cat owner. That's ridiculous. But I mean, yeah, working out with the enemy? No, not okay. So that guy's, da- that guy's name was definitely Kevin. Yeah, yeah yes. With definitely a K. Kevin. Sorry, probably with a K. 2K somehow. Kevin Connolly, KK. Kevin. K-K. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. I like that. I think it's weird. Like, I've, I've always kind of thought this was weird across all sports. Not that. Not that I think it's like bad or anything, right. but as you just mentioned, the the whole concept of working out with and getting better, knowing that that guy is going to be your competition. Yeah, you might be able to trade some secrets here and there right. about like what are you doing, to, you know, in the morning? What are you doing with recovery? Like, are you Christian Kirk drinking liver smoothies? Like, what are you doing to to get to this point uh, of your career? And obviously, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with that. I have no right. problem with that. I just think the basic concept of like my motivation is to think that somebody else is like if if I'm a college football player, which okay, me being five eight, you know, a buck eighty, that's obviously yeah, you'd you know, be great in the Big Ten, f- fitting the mold. Of course, you know, it, it's tough for me to picture that. But if I'm thinking like a college football player, I'm thinking I want to know that I'm doing something that that other guy isn't, right. and I'm trying to do whatever I can to gain an advantage. You want when that fierce competitiveness. Yeah, and it's maybe it's a little bit different when you're not like going up against each other. You know, they're never going to be on the field at the same time necessarily with right. you know Jalen Hurts and Cam Martin. But uh, at the same time, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just kind of thinking to myself, you know, why can't I work out with one of my own teammates? Like, right. why can't? <laughs> right. To me, that that would make more sense. But like, I have no problem with these two guys doing that. It's just you know, fans. If you read some of the comments, it, it oh, was one God. way or the other, one way or the other on that. I like, mean, fans were either like, "Oh, this is great," or "What are you doing? That's the enemy." Just basically like, right. How you were. I mean, I I just I know I've been hard on Auburn fans, like just because of the rivalry. I've always said Auburn probably has the better fan. They're always more rational. 
Most of them went there. We get it. And don't forget, God is an Auburn fan. I still you believe that. There's yeah, just no other you, way you, you can explain 2013. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe maybe I guess the, the takeaway I should have on this is that they're just better people. And, like, they're, they're just trying to improve themselves, like, individually. And they're just letting all that other stuff, like, you know, kind of fall by the wayside and not be as big of a deal as it is to me who didn't play at Alabama or go to Alabama. I mean, so, yeah, he, they're probably just good people. But it's – and, you know, once it's game week – I'm sure they'll, you know, set that aside once they get on the field. I hope. I yeah. <laughs> I hope it's not like the saboteur, Benedict Arnold. It's more of like an that. NBA thing. It's it's really more of an NBA thing, I think, yeah. than anything else where you see that a lot of time. Or if you're playing the same position, maybe I give a little bit right. more like leeway to that. I, I don't know. I think it's just uh, it's weird to see that with with two rival uh, two rivals. Nothing wrong with it. Again, I mean, call not, me old school, get... but yeah, I want to see. It's like I remember when I was really little. My grandpa told me. I think I mentioned this last week that he would pull for red communist China before he pulled for Auburn or Tennessee. Well, now that's I think a lot. said that on this podcast. Yeah, like I mean six that's times. that's a lot. That's a lot for him to have said. But I get where he's coming from. And like you know, we talked about like the old like '80s rivalries, like in like the NBA, like there's like fights breaking out. We love like that intensity and all that kind of stuff. I mean. I don't want that, but I would like these two to hate each other, like, you know, like Democrats and Republicans, like, yeah. you know. And somewhere, somebody's like, Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson used to work out together all the time. <laughs> Why are you getting all worked up about this? All right, fine. I won't get so worked about it. I won't get worked up about it. Let's just say that the rumor mill is flying. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is obviously on his way to Auburn. There's okay. no other way to explain <laughs> I mean, maybe oh, this has been in motion for a while. Maybe that's why he fumbled those two snaps on third and fourth down in shotgun. Still mind-blowing. I and maybe instead of working out with Jared Stidham, he's working out with Cam Martin as a conspiracy thing. Be a running back. If you want to improve his passing, you know, Jared Stidham, he's a Texas guy. Just saying. That's true. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't like it that much, but you can't hate on a kid. I mean, at least they're working out. At least they're getting better. True. I yeah, haven't done no, that in weeks. Yeah, it shows. Thanks, man. Ooh, that was mean. FaceTime's tough. I just want to be in shape enough to FaceTime again. That's really, like, that's a real thing. These That's angles, I can't just keep laying down holding the ca- like the computer above my head. You're giving you're giving me the perfect transition into this next topic. So a man oh, who <laughs> was criticized for his weight a little bit, at quarterback. We know him as Swag Kelly. Swag Kelly is no longer in the SEC, but he is with the Denver Broncos, aka Mr. Irrelevance. So Broncos coach Vance Joseph had this interesting quote. Uh, this is via uh, 24-7 Sports. He said this about uh, Swag Kelly. He said, he's been here every day and he's worked his butt off. You mentioned it. He's changed his body. Last year, he was a little tubby kid. He's really lean now. He's eating right. He's working hard. He's definitely putting the work in and he's throwing the ball really well right now. So I'm proud of Chad. He's obviously here as a first-year player. He was injured all of last year. He's been good for our new guys. So he's going through rookie minicamp. That's the only reason that he's right. like available and doing all this stuff. But good for Swag Kelly. He's got the baby fat off. Good yeah. for him. I mean, and I'm not going to be negative about this because I, I like this kid a lot. I think he's uh, he's kind of like a Manziel to me, like he in or Baker Mayfield. He's maybe not as talented like with the physical tools, but he is such a competitor. He has a lot of off-the-field stuff. Just a couple things. But what's a little frustrating and I'll just say I'm a little bit jealous of it, is it? he got to the NFL and survived a full year in the NFL before he realized, like, oh, you know what I should do? I should probably, like, start taking this seriously. Like, most, yeah, most whole, people like, make that adjustment, like, man, I really, like, this is my goal. I want to get to the NFL, Major League Baseball, a college scholarship. I should really start taking this seriously. And instead, he got there and was like, oh, you know what? I got to start working out, man. Yeah, one of the main out. things. 
one of the main things. Not everyone's Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, when you're trying to make a roster as Mr. Irrelevant, probably something that you want to do. And right. it sounds like he has taken taken to that, and he is becoming he's becoming a professional. That's that's the goal for for all these guys. When you're a sixth or seventh round pick, is just like make a team. Yeah. And hope that a coach says something nice to you, and maybe you make the roster. Like that's the goal, right? He's like it's like he graduated and then asked his professor for like extra credit after he graduated, to like boost his GPA. Like not how that works, man. Not how that works at all. But, but he's good for he's him. gonna have a chance. He's gonna have a chance to to actually like play. I'm not saying he's yeah. gonna win the starting job. They just paid Case Keenum a whole lot of money right. to do that. But they also have Paxton Lynch, who was a first round pick, who like hasn't been really much of anything. At least I, I haven't just, seen anything suggesting he's gonna be the guy. Every, so he's gonna have they, a chance. They, for they drafted him job. and they got Osweiler. And it's like they just fall in love with people that are over six eight just so they can say they're six eight. Chuck Kelly is definitely not six no, eight. No, Paxton Lynch is six seven the, though. Yeah, he like he had the big hands, right? Like that was he was the guy <laughs> I think he was I honestly I remember him having pretty big hands. I don't have that in my notes because I fought away all of our hand talk after the How draft was you. over. But uh I mean he might. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I tell you what though, Swag Kelly's working out with Jalen. I got, I got a serious problem with that. I mean, just be, uh, he knows the the solution though to beating Alabama. That's a very good like, point. If 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 I'm Jalen Hurts, maybe you know a little. Th- this is this is a little caveat into like he could get that piece of knowledge of how to go up against that first team defense right. every day. We saw Jalen Hurts struggle with that in the spring game. Check Kelly knows how to go against Alabama. Somebody needs to like Photoshop defense. a picture of Kelly like in the same backfield with Jalen. Like, like, kind of mentoring him with Kiffin on the other side while he's taking a snap from Brandon Kennedy and handing off to this kid from Auburn. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I, the internet would not be able to handle. No, that. it would break in a heartbeat. God, I wish I knew how yeah. to do Photoshop. The callers into to find bomb would be that would be something <laughs> to see. That would be something to see. T- Tammy would uh, would not approve. No, she'd lose her mind. So, real quick, power rank your. Ole Miss quarterbacks. Now that you've heard like the current, so I want the current version of this. This is an interesting question. Take Swag Kelly, the slim down, uh, not a little tubby kid, Chad Kelly. Uh, take that version of him, or Shea Patterson, or Jordan Tamu, aka JT. With just these him. three, because because Bo Wallace, just, just those three. Yeah, you could throw Bo Wallace in there. I guess I was going for even more recent, so that they're kind of all around the same right. age. But those would be like so. To start your team right now. Right now. To start your team right now, you're saying I got to go winning game tomorrow in order who you taking. Swag Kelly. I mean, I think, I think long term, long term Shea Patterson. I haven't seen enough out of Taomu. JT, we can we yeah, can go JT, with JT. That's right. I haven't seen enough out of Patterson, and I saw him play the entire. You know, granted he didn't have the same kind of weapons that Kelly had, but I saw if you just side by side look at what Kelly did against Bama at Bama and what Patterson did, it's a little bit different. I mean, yeah, Kelly. Kelly was so frustrating to to watch as like you know playing against your team because he was so unlikable he was so easy to hate you know what i mean like he got kicked out of clemson he got into a fight at a high school football game he was he had a rap song he called himself it was a hit hit, i will say that yeah that was a catch but i mean like he i mean anybody that rocks that like chin strap beard uh not not for me that is not mm -mm. i can't i can't deal with that like I felt like he was gonna come out like of the tunnel without a helmet and like a red New York Yankees hat on like Fred Durst. Like that was that level of douche I thought we were dealing with. But he was actually really good, and now he's got his like he's got his stuff together. I, he he's also extremely talented, so I'd probably say him. I think he's yeah. I I think if you're taking one game tomorrow, 
I'm, I'm taking Swag Kelly just because you don't have to worry about the off-field stuff in a one-game scenario. If I'm going long-term, yeah, sorry, Ole Miss fans. I'm still giving Shea Patterson the edge right. over our boy JT, although I still like JT. Yeah, he's he could good. end up having the best career out of all of them. Go figure. Yeah, uh, Chad Kelly is definitely going to be doing some big things. Speaking of NFL, we're, we're talking a little bit more NFL today than we usually do because, oh, by the way, it's the middle of May, and that's what we do. <laughs> Brett Bielema has a new home. Well, a home that we knew he had before, but it looks now more like this is really going to happen. He, he downsized. <laughs> he's in a split yeah, level outside of Fayetteville, and things have really taken his, a turn for the worse. He sold his Fayetteville home. I don't know if you saw the pictures of that, but it, that place was huge. How much more money did he get from being fired? Because they, mis, they mishandled his, his yeah, entire— buyout was, I think he made like an extra—I want to say, I'm not making a joke here— I want to say it was like $6.9 million, which is so Brett. Very fitting. So yeah. Brett. That's back to back weeks, I think we've referenced but, uh, 6.9 and Brett Bielema. Yeah, stop saying that. 6.9 million. But I'm yeah, almost Brett positive Bielema. it's like almost exactly what it was. Either way, I love He's Brett taking Bielema. a pay cut. Yeah. He's taking a pay cut to do whatever job he is. By the way, with uh, the New England Patriots, he did some stuff with them throughout the draft. Apparently, he's, he's going to stay on uh, through rookie minicamp. Maybe he'll stay on for the rest of the season. I don't really know. I don't really know I don't, kind of I don't fall into what that. his plan is. I bet he was just like yeah. saw like a, a tray of like finger foods and just like wandered in there and was like, "Yeah, I should take Sony Michelle. Real good, real good player right there." And they're like, "What?" He's like, and just probably just grabbed a Patriots hat or like the helmet that was sitting on the draft table. They're right, like, right. "Oh, is he? Did somebody hire him?" Just like went with it. That's. <laughs> At least he's making the Patriots more likable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're the Patriots, and if you can hire a guy who's been at the college game, uh, knows the SEC, I mean, well enough to at least like point out personnel. Right. That's a major advantage. I mean, that's basically how the Patriots have revamped their entire offensive line by taking all of these SEC East players. Right. So, I mean, Bielema knows the SEC, and he's able to provide some sort of perspective. What this means, though, and the reason I bring this up is it means that we have to come up with a revised idea for our TV show. Okay. So get this. So before our TV show, if you're new to this podcast, you didn't know before that we came up with a TV show idea where several. Every, several TV shows, but I think our biggest hit and the one with the most potential would have been Brett Bielema, Les Miles, eating lunch together, weekday, you yeah. put it on a half hour show, put it on TV, I don't care what they eat, Les can eat his grass, Brett can eat his They're at a his golden barbecue. corral. Yeah, Brett thinks litter, it's always whatever. a competition. Yeah, Les is just sitting there, just trying to understand like what Brett's saying with in like, between pieces times of he's brisket with his head and mouth open under like the frozen yogurt thing. Yeah, I just right. Thirty minutes of pure gold. Yes, I think that would have gotten picked up. So now we have to modify our idea because if he's doing this thing with the Patriots, he's not going to have free time. Plus, Les is Les is too big for for TV. He's you know yeah. he's a silver screen guy. You know, we're talking about you know what he's going to be able to do Sharknado um, in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. So uh, Les Miles is obviously too big for our TV show, and Brett Bielema doesn't have the time to be able to do that with him. So I'm going to pitch an idea where we have Brett Bielema eating lunch with not Les Miles, but Bill Belichick. Oh, riveting. How how great would that be to watch Bill just staring him down for roughly a half hour or so? And then. Have you ever seen a kid pestering his mom at the grocery store? That would be that entire 30 minute show. It's just. Brett Bielema asking for extra gushers and fruit roll-ups, and then Belichick's being like, "All right, I just, uh, yeah, let's just grab one. You can have, you can have one today." Sit down, finish your food. Right? <laughs> Stop putting your hands in the salad bar. It's other people have to get their food from there. Stop it. Stop pretending like you're eating salad. <laughs> I would, I would pay to see that. I think if if you weren't a fan of that, 
and you wanted to, to transition into a different type of TV show, um, it's been a while since we talked about our man, Intern Butch Jones. Okay. Intern Butch Jones and Nick Saban, a half-hour lunch, uh, just uh-huh. kind of shooting offensive ideas back and forth, seeing seeing just where the conversation takes That's, them. I, I'd pay to see that, too. That would be every uncomfortable scene with Michael Scott from The Office, just like forced conversation. This weather's <laughs> crazy. Just shut up, Butch. Just shut up. Go back to coloring your coloring book. I mean... I, what I would like to see is like maybe if they do go silver screen, like a buddy cop movie. You know what I mean? That'd be good. That'd be pretty That'd be good. good. That'd be awesome. Maybe like a blue streak type thing. Obviously, Belima would be like the animated one. Wait, no, he's by himself in that one. Bad example. But blue streak's great. They need to do another one. Either way, buddy cop with Belichick and him. Oh, man, wedding crashers. Like that'd be ooh. Be hard to sneak him in anywhere. But I mean, he would be a huge hit at weddings, and then Belichick would just oh, be there in the corner. Watching the coats. I've, I've been sorting out all of your gifts. These seem to be the cutlery. <laughs> These are all the toasters from Hampton Mill. Enjoy your wedding and eventual divorce. What, Bill? Going real quick to the going back real quick to the the Bush and Saban lunch idea. It would be like uh, the episode of The Office with um, it's Secretary's Day where Michael is sitting there with with right. uh, with Aaron and he like doesn't know what to say to Aaron because Aaron is so ridiculously awkward. Yeah. Aaron and intern Butch Jones very very similar in terms of and how they would be viewed by their spirit. Yeah, Les Miles would be another one. I Just think, nonsensical though. sentences coming. It's like what's that one line when he's like Michael says sometimes I start a sentence I don't even know where I'm going with it. And so going back to the beginning of this, I'm looking through our notes and you you had your seamless transition and segue from uh, one topic into this one, which was just fat shaming me. I thought you were going to go into the Brett Belima thing instead of Swag Kelly, which was that that Uh, meant a lot. Um, That would have been me. I will say this. He's if he's going to England, I really wish I really wish he would have had a job with ESPN covering college football because he would be so great on game day. Absolutely. Like that's we're going to really that's a really big missed opportunity. That being said, I would almost guarantee you, like the the what sealed the deal for this because he should have been on ESPN on TV, not coaching mm-hmm. in the NFL. I guarantee what sealed the deal is like, hold on, their owners who Robert Kraft, like Kraft Cheese, done, oh, God. absolutely done. I'm in, oh, I'm boy. in there right now. Let's do that. I mean, that's he 100% caught on the first flight up to Foxborough, wherever they're gonna have him up there. It's gonna be great. I think uh, I think Bielema ultimately does this for a year or maybe less than a year, and then he does he does take a TV job, and then I think he's back coaching the Big Ten again. I think whether that's a coordinator position or as a head coach, just gonna, like, I think he kind of lets the the dust settle and, and ends up going back to the Midwest. That'd be my guess. I hope he invests heavily in uh, like a Wahlburgers franchise, and just ends up owning like seventeen of those and maybe like a few Duncans across like the New England landscape. It'll be fantastic. Just some way to see him on our TV. Yeah. When he's not doing our TV show. Right, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna transition to something that we talked about last week. Uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, actual uh, news. We, yeah, actual <laughs> actual news in the college football world. He visited LSU and Cincinnati this past weekend. The Ohio State graduate transfer quarterback is making headlines for his visits. He might even potentially visit UNC. That's according to rivals Sean Callahan. So LSU's got a bit of some competition, but all I see is that Joe Burrow is one step closer to becoming the next Zach Mettenberger. I mean, he's more mobile than Zach Mettenberger. He is. He definitely of is. Course, he probably doesn't have everyone's more mobile than Zach Mettenberger. No offense, Zach. You have a strong arm. You're a great guy. He's listening. He's definitely listening. I hope so. Of course he is. That being said, like my first thought when I heard this was the total opposite of Saban. Do you think when Urban Meyer heard he was going to visit LSU, he was like, yeah, 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 you can go there. Like I wouldn't, you know, I'll pay for your scholarship. Go there right now. 
You will never be a threat to us. If Urban Meyer is facing LSU in a bowl game and like a New Year's Six bowl game that isn't the playoff, he's so upset that he doesn't even care like what's right. going on. It, it he could have his own son playing on LSU and he's just like, oh, we didn't make the championship. It doesn't. Yeah. Didn't make the playoff. Doesn't matter. No. So this yeah, is like that, putting somebody with like four or five speed as like a backup offensive guard. Like you're totally gonna misuse what he's good at. Right. So. Can't wait. Interesting, though, that LSU does not, apparently doesn't have to compete with uh, Nebraska. Some people thought that that would be a popular destination, including myself, given the fact that he's got family ties there. His dad went there. His Probably just wants there. to avoid being in Nebraska. It sounds like a miserable, don't, miserable don't, state. Don't hate, don't hate on Nebraska. I lived oh. there for two and a half years. Did you enjoy every Very single miserable winter? The winters are brutal. I will say that. It's the a winters pretty big are chunk of the year for that. The, the, the people are great. The weather is better in Orlando. I can I can honestly say that. But you think Nebraska's, he'd have more fun in in Nebraska, uh, in Lincoln, or do you think he'd have more fun in Baton Rouge at LSU's campus? Okay, so <laughs> close to Mississippi, I where you can gamble on sports and go to New Orleans. That. That's a good point. That's a good point. Lincoln's not a bad Lincoln's not a bad place. Though. I'm not going to go ahead and say Lincoln's like you I will. Know, I'll Baton say it for Rouge you. I like mean, that. it's it's first off, it's not the worst place in Kansas. Not in Kansas, but that's Man, all right. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Nebraska. I mean, but like I, looking at like that whole scope of different campus cities in the Big 12, Manhattan, Kansas. Nebraska's not in the Big 12 anymore. You realize Regardless, that, right? it's in that same area. That whole, all those flyover states, see, Iowa's right next to it. I know they're in the Big 10. It just seems like, oh, I would not have that much fun here. Like, what would you do besides eat and drink? I know you probably you, found something to do. Have but you been to Iowa City before? Absolutely not. It's got the most bars per capita of any school in the U.S. There's plenty to do in Iowa oh, City. Oh, well, hold on. Hold the phone on yeah. that. Okay. They can come yeah. to the SEC. I like that. You can take away your Midwest stereotypes here and, and, and put yeah, every other place in the Midwest shine, seems like right? a, just a real blast to be around. Oh, you're such a hater. I'm actually gonna once I get engaged, I'm gonna take my uh, my bachelor party is gonna be in um, like we're just gonna bar hop throughout the Midwest. We're gonna go to like South Dakota, not North Dakota because it's too posh. That's not the, that's not the Midwest. What are you? Good God! Fun fact: I actually proposed to my wife in Lincoln, Nebraska. Fun town. No wonder you seem so uh, biased about it. Yeah, a little bit biased. Maybe maybe that's why. They Did you guys nice go to Wichita for the honeymoon? Market. Gosh, that's nowhere near it. You have no idea how maps work. No, I actually don't. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow is not going to be going to the Midwest, or at least that's what it appears, unless he goes to Cincinnati, of course. But LSU and apparently UNC are going to be making a play. Uh, What about a new rule for LSU quarterbacks where it's just grad transfers all the time? Or it doesn't have to be grad transfers, just a transfer in general. I think they already implemented that without there having to be a rule. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know... Like you brought it up, and you know we can get into it. It's one of the most mismanaged positions, not just in football, but almost in all of sports. Yeah, Adam Rittenberg of uh, ESPN.com said that on the Paul Feinbaum show, and I agreed with it 100%. It's it's amazing to think about all the talent that has come in there with all of those top 10 recruiting right. classes and the inability to, to find a quarterback right. to, to really stick that's been homegrown. Doesn't and, and I say homegrown as in like a guy who starts off on your campus right. and isn't a grad transfer or something like that. It's it's amazing that it's been so horribly managed with all those different offenses. I mean, Mettenberger transferring in there. Mettenberger was... I mean, you know, going back before that, you go to 2010. 2010, when they had what I thought was one of the best teams maybe in the past 20 years, they lost in the national championship to Bama. Or I guess it's 2011, 2011, where they had like the 9-6 game or whatever. The quarterback, Jarrett Lee, that started that game was benched in the national championship, and they started Jordan Jefferson instead. And that's like what started for me. After that, it was like, good God, one after the other. You got to remember, Mettenberger was a five-star quarterback that went to UGA at the same time as another five-star, Aaron Murray did. You know, lost the competition, went to LSU. 
and then he was mismanaged. And that's when they had Odell Beckham, Ruben Randall, all these all these studs. So much talent around around all those guys. Good God. He started games in the NFL. And and then you look at what he did in college and it was just like, how does this happen? Like how does and this keep amazing, happening? And the amazing thing too is that because everybody knows that about LSU, it's not like they're seeing people drop back into coverage. It's not like they think no. they're defending against Ole Miss or something like that where they're just going to throw no, the ball you, over the field. They, they've got eight guys in the box. You've got one-on-one on one on everywhere like, on the field. you have man coverage everywhere. I it mean, is bizarre. So that'd be the, the attractive thing if you're Joe Burrow, though, of knowing that, okay, well, You could I end may, your career there. <laughs> God. We're, we're giving LSU quarterbacks no, such a I mean, bad rap. I, this. I honestly, I would love to see the narrative change. But it is kind of like that whole death taxes. And it's like as good as every running back plug and play they put in at UGA, it's kind of the adverse of that. So, we, yeah, we're giving them a hard time. I hope they can change that, that narrative because they have so much is, talent. Is adverse the right word there? I don't is know. Probably inverse? not, Connor. Thanks for bringing I'm it up. Inverse. Yeah, sorry. See, you cleaned up my mistake earlier and I cleaned up your mistake. Adverse means the switch. opposite. Yeah, inverse, I guess, is, is correct. Thanks a lot, man. That's all right. We're, that's what we're here to do. We're going to stick with LSU, though, because this is something that uh, I wrote. Okay, so it took us like 40 minutes to do a shameless plug uh, for a column yes. that I wrote last New week. New personal so best. So that's like, that's yeah, I think that is the personal best. I usually get it out in the first like five minutes. And I, I threw this idea out last last week because I think it's one that we're, we're not really going to get away from in the next few months, and that's what is it going to take in 2018 for LSU fans to feel good about Ed Ogeron long-term? Like, what kind of season is needs to happen this year? Right. And that's not, to, that's not to say that he's undoubtedly on the hot seat somewhere, but there's a very good chance that he could win eight, nine games this year, and you're still left with that hefty buyout, and you're thinking... What, what do we have to do to, to convince ourselves that he's going to be the guy? So I'm curious as to like what you think would would consider him the long-term guy right. after 2018 based so on his body work. What, what bothers me about it is this is technically his second full year as head, as head coach. And I know he – Les Miles was fired after the 2-2 two and two start. In, in 2016. 2016. Right. So he filled in the rest of the year. and then But he wasn't named the head coach until, what, mid-November or late November. So he was just on yeah, an interim basis, like November. like fighting for his job. And the fans love him. Like he wants that. He won like that's his dream job. Not just because of how he talks, but that is like his actual dream job. And so you gotta pull for him like on based off that. I want him to get a fair shot and I hope he gets three full years and they'll just be kind of reasonable and like let him kind of go through this year. What I think would have to happen, I was thinking about this. First thing would be a huge, huge boost to morale if he beat Miami. Week one. Oh, huge. But that being said, yes. the whole what have you done for me lately, you know, way society is, and especially with with football fans, especially in the Southeast, if he goes eight and four, if he goes seven and five, even nine and three the rest of the year, it has like maybe a bad November, are, are fans going to forget about that? Because that would be a huge. And I honestly like that matchup. I know you don't. And a lot of people are kind of writing him off to lose to Miami in that first week in, in Arlington. But I, I think that he would be a better, like, one-game, big-game coach than Mark Richt would be, just from what I've seen in the past. Moving forward from that, like, he has to get out of September at 3-1. and one. If he beat yeah, Bama— Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, and that's going to be tough, but if he—because if he, they still have Auburn. But if he beat Bama, that would be huge, but it wouldn't matter if they went 7-5. and five. Picture this scenario. Starts off 1-2. and two. Oof. Not crazy to think about because of that opener with Miami. Miami returns a ton right. of defensive production. And then you have week three at Auburn. That's not that crazy to think about. 
you start off one and two. People were jumping down his throat when he was three and two last right. year after that Troy loss. And yeah, you lose at Troy, you lose against Troy at home at night, and people are gonna yeah at night. That never is supposed mm-hmm. to happen. People are gonna have some questions about you. Maybe it's a little bit different if you're losing to quality opponents, but there are things like that to consider and how quickly this narrative can change right. if you are all of a sudden out of contention after the first week when, oh, by the well, and I shouldn't say out of contention for a playoff spot because Auburn did technically show in 2017 that you can be a two-loss team and right. still in the hunt for a playoff. Having said that, the odds are very, very unlikely. And by the way, you still got Alabama and you still got Georgia on the schedule after that start. Now, so great, that would be you get them the both tough at home. Thing. You do get them both at home, and that and that's the big thing. And that's Meh. and that's maybe what I would go into with like the the perception and how he can change. So even if he does get off to kind of a rough start like that, maybe let's say he does come out of the gates one and two. I, I'm not going to say the guy gets fired if he goes one and two. No. I, I don't think he's in the same situation that Les Miles was in a couple years ago where after the second loss against Auburn, you know, it was they, they said it was time to move on. Picture a scenario in which he gets that big win against a team like Georgia, a team like Alabama, and they're oh carrying gosh. him off the field. Like, Baton Rouge would go nuts. Yeah. I mean, so this is what concerns me, like just looking at it and trying to break down. It's way too early, and, you know, like this is getting too in-depth. But say they lose week one. Auburn also plays Washington, and I think Washington is going to be a very difficult team for them to beat. Might be a preseason top five team. Yeah, Could be. exactly. So imagine they're both one and one going into that game, and you have all the hot seat rumors Ooh. for both because Malzahn's always in the hot seat for some reason. And then you have this with Orgeron. Then you move to you moved October. Say he wins. You moved October, and then it's like you can't really lose another game. That Bama game's looming, and I'm not trying to trying to be a homer when I say this, but if you look at that series history, there is it's that seven saying. It's seven in a row. No, it's, it's seven in a row. But also playing in Baton Rouge, Bama's lost five times since 1969 in Baton Rouge. Like it's, and that's they literally didn't lose there for 30 straight years from 69 to 99. So you have to change that. Like you have to change that. That being said, they still have Florida. They still have Georgia. And you have Georgia at home. At Texas A&M, too. Yeah. So the biggest thing for him is he's going to have to quickly, quickly. One thing, as much as we give Les Miles a hard time, Les Miles didn't lose to unranked teams, especially at home at night. They have like a 48-game winning streak against unranked teams at night in Death Valley. So that's something he never did. You, what Orgeron has to do is, at a minimum, he has to win the games they're supposed to win. Yeah, and if you're looking at it from that standpoint, you avoid the embar- embarrassing losses mm-hmm. because anybody who has negative thoughts about him as a long-term guy is not all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, he's he's great after you know losing to a group of five school. That's not the way that that works. Right. Those four games, Miami, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn. I know I went out of order. Those four games could be what defines his perception right. after 2018. I think that's perfectly fair because you need you need those big moments. Right. I, not all wins are created equal. And if you're having an, an eight-win season, it's a little bit different if you have two of those wins right. as opposed to maybe just one See, I of think them. One. And don't forget, I mean, I threw this out on Twitter the right. other day. LSU is the only school in the SEC that has won at least eight games every season of the 21st century. Right. You lose eight games. You, if, if you win less than eight games at LSU, you assume that you're – that your days are numbered and that you're going to be out of Baton Rouge. Right. It's just the way that it works. And I think that so, is the I think that is where the bar should be set. I think nine wins is what he has to get to, and it has to have one of those wins has to be against a Georgia, a Bama, right, or or uh, what do you call it, or um, 
Miami early on. And Auburn, Miami, yeah. I mean, yeah, so that's it's it, enough cannot be said about because like people, I think at this point, kind of expect them to lose to Bama, expect them to lose to Georgia. That would be huge to get one of those wins early, especially for the team. Last three SEC coaches who have lost big neutral site openers did not open their, their the following season as their team's head coach. I'm trying they to think of who this would be. Season. So you had McIlwain last year. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, Butch Jones. One thing led to another. No, he won. Uh, no, no, Butch Jones won. He didn't He didn't join that category. You had Hugh Freeze. Against Florida State. And they had that 21-point lead. And then the last one, none other, none other than Les Miles. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So these these neutral side openers, like, uh, you know, they, they change perception. And they're, they're really important for how a team is viewed long term. Think of how many people after that Michigan game were like, yeah, this is all falling apart with Mac. Right. Like it, you have an entire offseason to look forward to this game, and if you're a doubter, all of those doubts are then confirmed on a national stage. He's an offensive coach, and they had 14 of their 17 points from pick sixes on back-to-back oh, yeah. plays. I mean, yeah, I, I'm pulling for Orgeron, honestly. I, I really would like to see him get a third year, but, and, and it really is just because like, he, he's so passionate about that job, and you got to pull for a guy like that. I don't care if he's like a rival school or whatever. I think it'd be he's I think he's great for the SEC. That being said, if you're looking at it like trying to be logical, I think they the benchmark is eight games. And if you're an LSU fan, you, you do have to look at it and kind of give yourself, you know, be like a little bit self-aware with like how the university handled that hiring. This is the same guy that only won three conference games at as the head coach at Ole Miss. Yeah, so and you've also got the eight point five million dollar buyout to fire him at the end of twenty eighteen. Uh, that drops to six million dollars in 2019, but there there are those things that that kind of loom over this whole thing, and obviously the fact that Dave Aranda is making 2.5 million dollars right. per year now—that's 71 percent of what Coach O made in 2017. I'm going to give you a, a bold, bold, bold prediction. Love it. And if he doesn't, if things start going south, this almost happened a couple years ago in 2016 when they he tried to hire Kiffin as his offensive coordinator. I I would bet you. Now that gambling's legal, Kiffin could be named co-head coach, and they could write that ship. Co-head yeah. coach? I really mean, like, what kind of communist world is that? I think it'd be a pretty damn good combination of coaches there. Him on defense, like, what? What are co-head they missing? Co-head I'm just, coach? I'm just, they have, they still have like assistant head coach or like co-head coaches. I guess like that doesn't mean anything. I'm pretty sure Loxley is at Bama. I'm just, I'm telling you, this is my bold prediction. Co-head coach. You want to be co-coordinator? That's one thing. Co-head coach. Yeah. That's that might be your boldest take yet. Yeah, thanks, man. Wow. Outside of quiche. Uh, outside of your fire takes on quiche. Oh, quiche. We've got I've got one more Ed Orgeron thing, but I wanted to save it for it might mean too much. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but uh, Danny Etling did. Uh, he had a quote with uh, it was a quote in AL.com about Coach O's pregame routine. Oh God. And yes, this is exactly what you would assume that Coach O does before a game. Apparently, he will chug an entire Red Bull. Okay. And then take off his shirt, yeah, and start punching himself in the jaw. See, that's better than and the time he confirmed. tried to like, like pick a fight with players on his team, as either Tennessee or USC. That's better. Steps in the right direction. Much better. I wonder how big the Red Bull is. Uh, like what is it? A little, I mean, 12, 10 ounce. Something I like that. don't think he's drinking the eight ounce, eight ounce Red Bull. Yeah, if he's doing true. that. I, I will also say that seems like something like maybe like a seventeen year old would do before like a Friday night high school football game. I don't. I mean. Uh, or like the X Games, it's a weird thing. Just hey, put on a pot of coffee, Les. I mean, Ed, that's that's a lot. Oh. That is a lot. <laughs> 
that that's about the least surprising story I've ever heard, though. And it was confirmed by by multiple by multiple players that this is indeed how it goes down. If he wasn't doing that, I'd be a little bit worried about Coach O. I'd be like, hey, you know what? Uh, well, I wouldn't. I would. I, I'm still worried, even though I know he's doing that. But I mean, like to be fair, like before, like every episode of the podcast, I stick like two smelling salts directly up my nostrils. And mm-hmm. then do like six push-ups and go out into like a public setting and just scream at strangers as loud as I can while listening to Metallica. I can picture that. That's pretty awesome, yeah. So you just want to like strike fear in like the, the heart of your opponent or just a stranger. He obviously got LSU pretty fired up last year because well, not for Troy. Maybe you should maybe two Red Bulls for Troy. Maybe stop punching maybe yourself two. in the face and giving yourself a concussion before you have to coach a game. That's a good idea, too. How about two Red Bulls before the group of five schools? Because you need a little extra juice to get Yeah, going. that's fair. I like it. Our other, it might mean too much. So we talked about this last week. Roquan Smith got his stuff back. The former Georgia hold on, hold linebacker on. who was Real robbed. Quick, is there any coach in the SEC that has like a good, balanced, just diet? Like even Saban eats two little Debbies every morning. We know no, that Chad Morris, Chad Morris is chugging Red Bull. Yeah, and Orgeron's in the same thing with Red Bull and Monster. I mean, Kirby Smart eats Waffle House a lot. Um, is anyone just like waking up and having like a, a balanced breakfast with like you would saw like when you were seven, like with like a bowl of Frosted Flakes and like a banana and like a glass of milk and orange juice? Anyone doing Derek that? Derek Mason might be. That's Derek fair. Mason yeah, he could be. Good. Okay. All right. Good. But maybe that's why his team's not winning. Also, also fair. Sorry, yeah, at a gas station, Sorry, Derek. That's what you gotta do. Sorry. Win games in the SEC. All right. That's back to rough. Roquan. That's a rough loan Vandy reference of, of the pod. Yeah, back to Roquan though. So he got his stuff back after getting robbed. You know, they found a, the kid or the kid who did it was a, a Georgia student. What was uh, his name? Who confessed his his name. Landon his with name? a Y. Landon Landon with a Y. I hope he gets life in prison. That's a that's a tough one. That's sorry, mom and dad, but that name. If you're Landon listening, if to your this name's podcast, Landon with a Y, with a Y, I would with a y. bet almost anything that you don't need to steal that stuff. I just, I bet you are probably just somewhere in Athens wearing a lot of pastels, probably some like vineyard vine stuff, visors, sperries, probably not having to get a job, probably got a little bit of an allowance. Don't need to steal somebody's stuff. Kid's name is Landon Shane Durham. So that suggests so you know he had a tough life. Using, if you're already using your middle name, by the way, his initials are LSD. Just throwing that <laughs> There's out there. that. Um, is he already like trying to go into politics or something like that? Because if you're using your middle name that young, I, I question what your 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 career aspirations are that you would feel the need to make that known to the public. I, I just guarantee you that like this summer is gonna be miserable and like he's gonna have to work like one like minimum wage job for like a month. His parents are probably gonna take away his Tahoe. He is so grounded. And he's probably not gonna get the same starting salary he would have gotten when his dad hires him at like Ernst and Young or as a state farm insurance agent like two years from now when he graduates. So this comes back to what, what I was what saying. What if Landon's last a listener of the podcast? <laughs> Jeez, sorry, Landon. I don't have anything to steal, so don't come. I don't even own my own car. Actually, we're a one-car household, so can't really steal stuff from my car. I'd like to make some extra money, so if you want to do like an insurance fraud thing, Landon, I'm totally down. Just DM me on Twitter. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Need some gambling money. Hit me up soon. So... So I threw this out last week, the idea of, okay, if you're if you're stealing all this stuff, how are you gonna sell it? Because everybody's gonna know exactly where this came from. This story went very, very viral. Right. And everybody knows that if you're coming up on Roquan Smith's Rose Bowl jersey, chances are, you know what? You probably got it from the guy who stole it from his car. Yeah, maybe it's it was like same. a Father's Day gift or something. Like he was just like desperately seeking the approval of his dad. I, maybe, or maybe he's just dumb. Oh, feel good story. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, no good deed goes unpunished. 
we've been all wrong about this. So yeah, so Roquan Smith got all his stuff back, but the the interesting thing that came out of this, so Chicago Tribune columnist Steve Rosenblum wrote a column that blasted Roquan Smith. He blasted the Bears for drafting a guy who got robbed inexplicably, had all this stuff in his car. We joked about this last week. Right. Of, if you're a college kid, like, why do you have this stuff in your car? But we at least came up with, like, the excuses of what he could potentially be doing. Right. If he's driving to the facility, all that stuff. You bring a lot of stuff in, and you forget that that stuff's in your trunk. This happens. You're Roquan Whatever. Smith. You don't think somebody's going to be ballsy enough to steal anything from your car. You led the SEC in tackles, and you're a monster. Like, you're... <laughs> You don't want to steal from me. Exactly. So in the column, Rosenblum even goes so far as to say that uh, how did this college kid get this BMW? Basically basically accused Georgia of providing impermissible benefits. So what he didn't know was that Roquan Smith, after he declared for the NFL draft, got a sponsorship deal with the local BMW dealership in Athens. So he he got a car. Because he's not an amateur anymore and he had an agent. That's what happens. I mean, it, the guy's been, you know, five months basically removed from yeah, declaring for the all NFL the guys draft. with commercial benefits are the guys they just recruited last year. So it's, like, totally wrong people he was accusing. Second off, no, I mean, the, all jokes aside, like, I, I read his article and I felt bad. I was like, I, I hope that's not how we sounded when we were giving him a hard time. Like, how do you lose all this stuff and have it in the back of your car? But what was crazy is how he already, already just threw the idea out there that, like, this is another wasted draft pick, another bad pick, like, that the Bears have made. And it was right. like, Roquan Smith is going to be a stud. I mean, he you he's yeah. so good. So good. He's amazing. Yeah. So, fun, fun little fact here. So, the columnist who wrote this, Steve Rosenblum, I played baseball with his kid growing up, actually. Uh, shout out Brandon Rosenblum. Really good fastball. Always was impressed by the movement right that now, he Connor? got on that pitch. <laughs> I, I'm throwing this out there because... Uh, I've known Steve Rosenblum for a while. I've been reading his writing yeah. for a very long time. I grew up in Chicago. Whatever. Nobody cares about that. But he is tongue-in-cheek with a lot of this stuff. Having said that, he crossed the line with Big this. Time. And he that's why he apologized. Right. And I think he was maybe shooting from the hip a little bit too much at this column. Yeah. And went a little bit too far. Got carried away with this. Forgot that he was actually talking about a human being right. and not if just a If anybody knows that feeling, it's it's me. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad he was able to admit when he was wrong. I will say this. Apology not accepted until you get your son on a red eye down to Atlanta and put him in the cage with me. Not a cage match. We're talking about a batting cage. I want to see this fastball. I'm defending pretty your good. honor right now, Roquan. Kid always do pretty hard. How were you, Anyways. like 14, Connor? Like, was like, no, I was I was like 8 or 9. And actually, um, so fun he's fact. Like buzzing in there at like 43 miles an hour. I, I think he threw 50. Like getting 50 Whoa. on the gun when you were like 7 or 8 was a big deal. It's impossible. I remember he was able to do that. He always called me O'Connor, too. Why did Steve you guys Rosen have radar do? guns at, at your 7 and 8-year-old baseball know. games? It's, too competitive. I don't, I don't You called me out for things. using adverse wrong. I'm going to I'm going to call you out for lying about this this Pop Warner BS right now. Yeah, but anyway, so gosh, how do I transition from that? Steve Rosenblum, if you're listening, shout out. Appreciate you responding to my email back when I was like, you know, freshman in college and looking for any sort of job internship opportunity available. Always nice willing to listen to me. Having said that, your take was not your best. No. All right. And I would take your son on. deep. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> No, I probably wouldn't. We're moving on. I uh, want to talk about this real quick uh, to wrap things up here. Uh, I took a trip down to uh, to Bradenton this past week. Uh, That's a I place, spend a not little a name. Bit of time. <laughs> it's worth mentioning for all the times that we mentioned like Braden and Layden right. and all those things. Bradenton, Florida, the home of IMG Academy. Spent a little bit of time there. Uh, we did our series last year, a podcast series on IMG Academy and how that is 
become what it is today. And we've got a, a few things in the works there that I'm really, really excited about. But basically, I, I get to spend a little bit, little bit of time with Cadillac Williams. I wrote a story about him a couple weeks ago uh, about how he is now the IMG running backs, running backs coach, former Auburn great. Uh, he's a legend. Got to spend more time with him. And I got to say, I love that guy. He is absolutely awesome. After spending the time that I did with him and talking with him over the phone, um, in addition to that, that dude just kind of gets it. And he was as easy to talk to as anybody I've dealt with in the past year or so. Right. And I I know that saying this to you is going to come is really difficult, but as, well, as you alluded to before, maybe Auburn people are just it was a difficult you know, time. They're not in my so life. bad. I mean, you got to think that I remember like like my high school years, we lost to Auburn. Three out of the four years. And it was, like, miserable stuff. When you say we, you mean Alabama. Yeah, exactly. And I was at, like, some like most of those games. But, like, I, when you told me that, I was like, you know what? One of the most defeating moments or, like, moments I've ever felt defeated as a fan was going into that Iron Bowl 2003. Keep in mind, they, they beat us, like, his freshman year 9 to nothing in, like, a 33-degree, like, driving rain. And it was awful. The year before that, he was injured. And so was Ronnie Brown. And so was... Who's the other one? Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. All three were injured, mm-hmm. and they beat us with a white running back named Trey Smith. And then you go to this game, you're like, you're just trying to convince yourself, like, we got a chance. We could beat Auburn. First play from scrimmage, he goes around right in for 80 yards. I was like, all right, well, I can't wait till he's gone. And Ronnie Brown, I just watched him in high school because he played in the same region as us. Took him deep. His fastball yeah, that- was terrible. That's a, a fun duo. We're, we've got something in the in the works uh, with with those guys, and it's going to be really fun to kind of look back and go down so memory lane. It's already been really fun. Just I mean, going through some of the old YouTube clips and talking Man. about some of these plays and stuff. It's both it's of a them lot of fun. Win the top five of the NFL draft. Only time it's ever happened then, and it still hasn't right. happened. Right, and Brandon Jacobs was a backup. And don't forget, Rudy Johnson was there at two thousand one. Right before running crazy. Down. Yeah, I mean. The, the running backs that they got in at Auburn was the, the the run that they went on was pretty incredible so with the, with tailback weapons. So yeah, just be on the lookout for that. We've got some cool stuff dropping this summer. Uh, some good projects that we're working on. Definitely want to check that yeah. out. Uh, I want to give uh, one last thing here today. I want to go through a couple five star reviews that we got that I absolutely loved. We of course love five star reviews. It's my favorite. That's what we do. So I've got one right here. So this subject line was two choices, and this is from Georgia Law. Right. Interesting. Georgia Law says, I could I could have either gave y'all a two or a five-star rating. Two rating for all the comments about a blown cover two in the national championship game, or a five-star rating for all the seven for all seven of the five stars Georgia signed last season. I went with five stars, of course. Go dogs. So here's what I'll say to that. You didn't mention it once today. Yeah. The cover two. So hey, Georgia Law. There you go. Your wishes are coming. Give us six stars. Give us another review. Yeah. And I will say, I'm sorry stars. for you being attached to that, because that's my fault. You just, that wasn't yeah. you. But hey, we got the five-star there it that's is. all that matters, right? And then this last one was from, uh, this was from Fort Worth Dog, or it's F.T. Worth Dog. I assume that's Fort Worth Dog. <laughs> Subject line, great show. You guys killed, this was, so this was after last week's, uh, last week's came out last Wednesday, and Fort Worth Dog said, you guys killed it today. I don't know if it was Red Bull or what, but y'all slayed it. Please keep it up. The offseason is hard, but good shows ease the pain. That, we just bashed Red Bull, and now well, somebody's saying that we apparently drink Red Bull, and that's why our shows are so good. So The real concern here, and I told you this last week, after we got done, I was like, man, that was the best show we did all year. I was super amped up about it. I was real tired and dragging, and I upped my coffee intake, and I had a large coffee with three shots of espresso before the show. 
Yep. So, so I, I didn't do, I only had two shots of espresso with the coffee today. Like I want us to be successful, but I, I can't have my heart explode, especially before football season. So no, we got to, we got to figure bad. out how to pace that. But you know what? At least both of those reviews were not only five stars. They're also from Georgia fans. So there you go. Yeah. You're not making complete enemies. That's, that's all I want. That's all I want in life. With the exception of Auburn people with less. I love with Auburn. First name it's still a beautiful K. city. Outside. I know you do. I know you do. Make sure to follow all of our great uh, takes. Well, at least Chris's great takes on Auburn and yes. how great. And if you live uh, in Auburn, are. real quick, I got This is not a shameless plug. This is for a friend of mine. Get out and vote in the uh, primaries for the House. One of my good friends, Mallory Hightagen, is running for the district. So you guys go out and support her, or maybe do some we research first. Be on the safe side. I don't know. We will end on that sick brag, a sick political brag. No, I was just trying like to help that. out a friend. Yeah, helping out. A friend. If it's between that and All following right. me on social media, follow me on social media first. I don't really care if she gets elected, but if it's between the two things, make sure you listen to uh, go go to uh, Chris's Facebook Live. Those are those are every Tuesday night. Are we still sticking with Tuesday every night? Every Tuesday night the rest at of seven p.m. Those are good stuff. All of his leftovers from this podcast. That's right. No, he comes up with original takes. Don't worry. <laughs> But until next week, we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. Chris, just just remember that one important thing. What, what, what do you need to remember? It just means more. Well, and that it might mean too much. Trademark pending. Damn it. Damn it, Chris. Every time you had one line. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.